0: Well, greetings to everyone who is watching this broadcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Lindsley Avenue Church of Christ in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. My name is Steve Garrett. I'm a former minister of this congregation. And I'm just very thankful that the congregation has asked me to present a message to you today. I'm actually recording this lesson from the auditorium of the historic Lindsley Avenue church building. Uh, it's good to be here again. There's uh, quite a bit of renovation work uh, going on and uh, what I see that's been completed looks very nice and I'll have to uh, give you a, a little bit of a heads up that uh, this is I think the third time I've started recording this lesson and about halfway through I think some of the dust in the air starts uh, getting in my throat and I've decided that Uh, This time, uh, I'm just going to keep going because I think if I keep uh, stopping and and starting over again, I'm going to wear my voice out. But I just thought it would be nice to to record the message from here and we will uh, partake of the Lord's Supper uh, at the conclusion of the lesson. Have you ever heard of a preacher who was angry at his own success? Well, in our lesson this morning, we're gonna learn about a preacher just like that. Most of us who grew up in the church and and went to Sunday school or vacation Bible school have heard about Jonah, haven't we? That prophet of God in the Old Testament who disobeyed God and ended up being thrown into the sea and and God had a, a great fish swallow him up. I want us to talk about Jonah today and what happened to him And I want us to learn some lessons from Jonah that I think can be very helpful to all of us. You know, Jonah was a man who God called to go preach to the wicked city of Nineveh. And instead of going to Nineveh, he went in the opposite direction. Several years ago, there was a a defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings named Jim Marshall, who intercepted a football in, in the... On the middle of the football field, and he ran the wrong direction because he was confused. Jonah, however, went in the wrong direction on purpose. Whatever his reasoning, we see that he was rebellious against God. And let's look at four lessons we can learn from Jonah and his rebellion against God. One is that rebellion against God carries a very high price. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Jonah and chapter one, Jonah chapter one it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was tossed about to be and about to be broken up. <clears throat> Jonah's rebellion cost him more than the fare that he paid for that boat ride that day. Jonah's rebellion cost him God's favor and almost cost him his life. It's really impossible to run from God and I suppose that Jonah had forgot Uh, King David's message in Psalm 139 in verse 7, where David asked the pointed question, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Opposing the will of God cost Jonah his peace of mind. It brought great anguish upon him and a judgment that day that he fled by ship to go to Tarshish. But not only did Jonah rebel against God and bring God's wrath upon him, but it also cost other people. Innocent bystanders got caught up in Jonah's rebellion We see the mariners on this boat coming down to Jonah, and and Jonah had fallen asleep in the hull of the ship. And they're like, why are you asleep? What are you doing? You need to wake up. And how many times is it that people in rebellion against God sometimes hurt other people? Sometimes they take the lives of other people, sometimes accidentally, like drunken drivers. For a couple of summers, I was able to help at a youth camp called Camp Cope. And the children at this camp ranged from first grade through high school. And they were there because they had one or more parents of their parents were in prison. And this was a ministry of the the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry. And you can really start to see the effects uh, on these innocent children and how they're having to grow up without one or more of their parents. And you can see the cost of rebellion against God, it's not just upon the person who is rebelling, but also falls on those sometimes that they even love. Rebellion against God definitely carries a high price. But secondly, we also learn that men call upon God when they're in trouble. We see this first of all in Jonah chapter one, with these mariners. The captain of the ship came to him in verse six and said, what do you mean sleeper? Arise and call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. So they come to Jonah and they, they beg him to start praying to God so that they can be saved. And he, they ask him, where are you from? And, and what kind of person are you thinking that perhaps Jonah was the cause of this great storm. Jonah repented when he found himself in a tight situation, and, and oftentimes we see that that's what people do. We go on sinning until we get caught, or we go on sinning and rebelling against God until something really bad happens to us or someone that we love. Jonah repented when he found himself in this situation. What kind of a situation will it take to make us repent? What is it, perhaps, that we are doing? What kind of rebellion might we be engaged in against God, thinking that He doesn't know, that we can run from God all the time living in rebellion against Him? And the truth of the matter is, God will forgive us. But what God wants us to do is He wants us to repent, He wants us to turn away from our sins. If we go on reading a little bit more in Jonah, in chapter 1, it says in verse 14, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with this innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. And after Jonah was thrown into the sea and the storm ceases, it says in verse one of chapter two, then Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish. And he says down in verse six, you have brought me up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, in verse seven, chapter two, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And I will pay, he says in verse nine, I will pay what I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Sometimes our memory is mighty short. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is with us. If we knew that Jesus was with us riding in the car, what kind of drivers would we? Would we we be extremely careful? Would we always use our blinker? Would we always wear our seatbelt? Would we refrain from violating the speed limit? Would we be extremely courteous to other drivers? Would we listen to better music on the radio? And the truth of the matter is, Jesus is with us. And we tend to forget that and when we get in times of trouble and we call upon God. It's because we've really forgotten that he's already there. But men will call upon God when they get in trouble. Is another important lesson that we learn. A third lesson that we learn from Jonah is that there's a limited time to repent. So Jonah is saved from the belly of the fish and it says in verse three of chapter three so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city a three days journey in extent and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk then he cried out and said yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown so the message of God to the Ninevites was that you have a very limited time in which to repent. God is giving you 40 days and then he's going to destroy the city. It's a clear message. And Jonah couldn't afford to lose a single day because he knew that the time was up for these people. And you know, when you think about it, isn't our work even more urgent than Jonah's? He knew that they had at least 40 days to repent. We don't know if our neighbor has forty days. We don't know if we'll have forty days in which to preach the gospel. And so our message is even more urgent than that. I'm reminded of a scripture in, in the book of Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians chapter six and verse two. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse two, where the apostle Paul says, Behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. There's a limited time to repent. Paul says now is the day of salvation. You know, our judgment is one hour closer than it was 60 minutes ago. Our judgment before God, our neighbor's judgment before God is one day closer than it was yesterday. If we lived our life remembering this, would we behave differently? Would we act differently with the gospel that we've been entrusted with? I'm also reminded of Felix in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25. When Paul is preaching to him, he, he told him to go away. He says, when I have a more convenient time, I'll send for you again. And we don't know if Felix had a, another opportunity to respond to the gospel. We don't know if our neighbors have another day. We don't know. If we have more time to preach the life-saving, soul-saving message of the gospel, there is a need to repent and obey now, and that's the lesson that Jonah teaches us as well. But a fourth message that we, uh, uh, but a fourth lesson that we learn from Jonah's message, is that simply preaching the truth saves souls look in chapter three beginning in verse five so the people of Nineveh heard Jonah and Jonah preached a very simple message 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown that was the message and look how the people responded the people of Nineveh believed God they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. You can tell if God who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. You know, this is an amazing story. You think about the fact that the Ninevites were so wicked that God decided that it was time to destroy them. But he wanted to give them an opportunity to repent. And when they heard the message, they did. Led by the king himself, who commanded the people to cry out to the Lord because it might be yet possible, he says, that God will relent from this. What evil things do you think the people of Nineveh might have been saying, thinking or doing? That the people of Nashville are not guilty of. Oh, I'm sure there's some things. But in general, I would imagine the same types of sin that people in Nashville struggle with today were probably the same types of sin that people dealt with throughout all history, including these people in Nineveh. And our community in Nashville needs a message of repentance, too. And that's the purpose of the Lord's church. That's why the Lord put a light here in this neighborhood, the Lindsley Avenue Church, so that we could preach a message of repentance to this neighborhood. Yes, this neighborhood needs encouragement and this neighborhood needs our help, but this neighborhood needs more than anything. The gospel message. That we need to repent of our sins and we need to humble ourselves before the God who made us. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15 that Christ came to save sinners of whom I am chief. And you know, one of the ways that we can reach our friends with this message of repentance is to let them know that we struggle too. That we've struggled with sin and that we still struggle with sin. And when we do, we repent and we turn from it. The people of Nineveh stand as a testimony that even the vilest of sinners can be changed. But it only took the actions of one man who had repented himself from rebelling against God to turn the people away from their evil. When the people change, God forgave. The power was in the message. We read in verse 10 of chapter three, then God saw their works How they had turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do. it. This is an example of grace. The people of Nineveh did not deserve this. Jonah certainly did not deserve the grace of God that was presented there in his his salvation through the, the great fish. But when Jonah repented and turned to God, God forgave him and said, "Okay, you just need to do what I command. you." And the people of Nineveh, when they repented and turned back to God, he said, all right, you just need to obey. He offered them his grace. He offered Jonah his grace. And God offers every single one of us his grace. Let's look in chapter four and verse one. When we started the lesson, I, I said, have you ever heard of a preacher who, or asked the question, have you ever heard of a preacher who was angry at his own success? And Jonah's that man. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. He was angry that the people repented, and he was especially angry that God forgave them. So he prayed to the Lord and he said, oh Lord, was not this what I said? when I was still in my country. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah struggled with the success of his own preaching. Now, why did he have a problem with this? Why did Jonah not want the Ninevites to be saved? Why was he miserable when God relented from their destruction? Well, one thing we see in Jonah is how much God loves everyone. We look down in verse 11. God teaches Jonah a lesson in chapter four to try to get him to understand how much he loves his creation. And he creates a large plant that grows and provides shade for Jonah. But then God creates a worm to kill that plant and it withers and dies. And Jonah finds himself again, uh, feeling like he's going to die in the scorching sun. And God tells him, you didn't do anything to make that plant, I did. And you didn't do anything to kill that plant. I do. It's part of my creation. And these people and even the animals God is concerned about in the city of Nineveh because they are his creation. And he says in verse 11, God says, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? and much livestock. And some interpret this when it t- says these people who cannot discern their right from their left, meaning God wasn't even counting the, the young children in this number. So there were well over perhaps 120,000 people in this city and all of their livestock, the animals, and God had pity on them. But Jonah was prejudiced against them. Jonah, being a Jew, was prejudiced against the Ninevites who were Gentiles. And his prejudice stood in his way of wanting to go and preach a saving message to them. And may we never have prejudice towards anyone that keeps us from teaching and preaching to them the saving gospel message. May our love of Jesus compel us to bear the fruit. That Jesus says would glorify him in Matthew, excuse me, in John chapter 15 and verse eight. And may we be like Jonah in chapter three and verse two of the book of Jonah, that we will arise and we will go to Nashville, the great city, and preach to it the message that we've been given. And what is the message that we've been given? What is the simple gospel message that we can teach? It is that first of all, we are sinners. That we have sinned against our creator. That we have rebelled against him. In some form or fashion, as the book of Romans tells us, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that's not where it ends. With an understanding of our our sin and that we rebelled against God. The message of the gospel is that God has provided the way out. Through his son, God provided a sacrifice that could, through his blood, take away the sins of all humanity. And when we hear this gospel message and we believe it, If we're ready and willing to repent of our sins, to turn away from our rebellion and to obey God, to confess the beautiful name of Jesus and be baptized for the remission of our sins, we can come up out of that watery grave of baptism anew, a new creature. It's called the new birth, the second birth, and we rise to live in a newness of life. To glorify our Father. It doesn't mean that we will not still struggle. That we will still uh, not sin. But it means that when we do. We have faith. That causes us to say. I'm sorry. I'm turning from that. I want to do better. And we have a family. In the church. And we can't wait till we're all able to get back together again. But in the meantime. We come to one another through other means like Zoom or phone calls. We remain connected to one another. And if you're watching this lesson today or watching a rebroadcast of this lesson and you've been pricked in your heart and you understand that you need to repent just like Jonah needed to repent and just like the Ninevites needed to repent and you want to obey the gospel and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, contact this congregation. Go to the website, lindsleyavenue.org. Contact this congregation, and they will be glad to help you to be baptized and to become a child of God. Don't put it off. Don't wait till COVID is over. We don't know how much time we have. The time is now. The time is today. And I hope this lesson has been encouraging for you, and we can learn so much from these stories and characters in the Bible. And may God bless you as we serve him this week. On the first day of the week, Christians assemble specifically to worship God and to partake of communion or the Lord's Supper. I want to read to you just a a brief scripture Uh, found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And then we will partake of the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's important for us as Christians to remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. First of all, as Paul said, we have this bread, the unleavened bread that Paul says that Jesus said to take and eat, this is my body, to remember the body of Christ which is broken for us in remembrance of him. Would you bow with me? Our almighty Father, God in heaven, we are so thankful for this another beautiful day. We thank you, Father, for the many blessings that you've given to us, especially now, Father, we thank you for this bread that Jesus says was his body. And we as Christians partake of this bread to remember the great sacrifice that he made on the cross of Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Next, we're about to partake of the cup, the fruit of the vine, which Jesus said would remind us of his blood, that his blood instituted a new covenant, replacing the Old Testament, establishing a New Testament based upon his sacrifice. And we do so today in remembrance of him. Would you bow with me? Our father, we again want to give you thanks for this cup the fruit of the vine which jesus said would remind us of his blood father we know that it was through the precious blood of jesus that our sins are cleansed and washed away help us father to remember who we are that we are children of christ and that we remember this sacrifice today as we drink this cup in his name we pray and amen Another commandment that we as Christians have in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 is to lay by and store on the first day of the week. And we're not able to assemble, or not all of us are able to assemble with Christians, but we need to remember that we do have an obligation to return a portion of God's blessings back to him, to give, to be sacrificial as Jesus gave and was sacrificial with his life. So please give to your congregation and whatever manner has been determined. Again, thank you for watching this broadcast of the worship service for the Lindsley Avenue Church of Christ here in Nashville, Tennessee. I hope that you gain some insight in God's word today and that you're edified and built up. And as we go throughout this coming week, let's remember that we, our time is limited here on earth. Our time's limited, the time of our neighbor is limited. And may we follow the admonition of our Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Let's close our lesson and service this morning with a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful for this opportunity. We thank you, Father, for these technical means by which we can have lessons brought to us, through Facebook and Zoom and the website and, and other means. Father, these have been sources of, of comfort for us during these trying times. Father, we ask for blessings upon those who are sick, especially those of this congregation and, and those that you know about. We pray, Father, that you would help them. to be we well. We pray, Father, for those who are suffering in any way from the COVID virus, that you will heal them. We pray, Father, for our land and for our country, that you will bring peace and healing.